0: Welcome to the
1: Overdrive Outdoors podcast, your source for everything outdoors. Let's kick it into overdrive.
0: Overdrive Outdoors podcast brought to you by Predator Hunter Outdoors. Whether you are new to predator hunting or looking to upgrade your equipment, Predator Hunter Outdoors will have you hunting after the sun goes down. Carrying a full line of lights, night vision, and thermal optics, along with tripods, calls, mounting systems, and more, check them out at www.predatorhunteroutdoors.com or on Facebook at Predator Hunter Outdoors. Use promo code OVERDRIVE2021 for 20% off your order. Want to lengthen your time in the field and shorten your scouting time? Not only does the HuntWise app show you property boundaries, landowner's names, and in some cases even their phone number, but using the app will show you the wind direction on the map of the place you want to hunt, and the HuntCast feature shows peak movement times for various species, including predators. Get the HuntWise app at www.huntwise.com, the Google Play Store, or the Apple App Store. For only $59.99 a year for pro or $119.99 a year for elite, use promo code OVERDRIVE20 for 20% off an annual membership.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. This week, myself, Josh, and Kevin raw are going to be talking to Mr. Tony Tebby. Tony, for anybody that doesn't know, runs Predator University in New Mexico, Guided Hunts, Tony Tebby's Signature Sounds. This week, we're going to have two questions that you can answer during this podcast, and both of them are answered by Tony Tebby himself, and this week, the giveaway items for the first question is going to be a TT Sound Pack. That first question is going to be, what two things does Tony scout the most for? And question number two is, since Tony got pet coyotes, what is the biggest thing he has learned about coyotes? Send us the answer to our Facebook or Instagram Messenger. Only one person can win it, so be listening. Get your notebooks out, get your pencils out, get your listening ears on. Let's get into this podcast with myself, Kevin Rott, and Tony Tebby. Good evening, everybody. Josh here with co-host Kevin Rott. And this week, we have very special guest all the way from New Mexico, Mr. Tony Tebby. How the heck are you guys?
1: Good. How you doing, guys? Uh, I'm doing all right. It's, it's cold. <laughs> yeah. And you know, snowing. You know, you know what? I live in the desert and two days ago I was outside with just a t-shirt. Uh today it's 12.
0: Yeah, that's wow. how we are. <laughs> yeah, that I think it was what 45, here, like two days ago.
2: Yep.
0: And now it's down to I think like 12, 14, somewhere in there.
2: We went from two feet of snow to zero snow and about an inch and a half of rain on top of it. Oh, man, man. You
1: know, I I remember like two years ago telling my wife, Crystal, uh, that I am so done with guiding in February. Yeah, You know, I don't guide in February no more because it could be 72 one day and two degrees the next day. Or and it may be a one mile per hour wind, or you may have 70 mile per hour winds. It's the the weather's so unpredictable. It it makes hunting a challenge. Yeah. A real challenge. You know, you all get snow, then it gets warm, and then it crusts over, and you can't even get out of the truck without scaring everything in two steps.
0: Well, seeing as you mentioned that, Tony, here's a question that just popped into my head. Do you find that that rapidly changing weather like that affects the
1: coyotes much? Um, yeah, I'd I, I like a little more consistency. You know, you know, I've been a big advocate on, and I've talked to both you two, uh, you know, in private a lot about uh, barometric pressure. Yep. You know, and the rising and the falling, and try to if you can really catch it on the rise. That's you know, that's when coyotes are all animals in general moving. But yeah, I mean. You get in these freaky weather patterns, um, and it makes the the calling totally unpredictable. And and the coyote movement maybe a day or two or three days pr- uh, prior to the actual weather you're going to get. You know, they so know it's coming exactly, exactly. And you're like, what the heck is different than last night? Last night they were turned on. Tonight they're it's does a door you know, well, just hang on to your hat. A couple of days later, weather's going to change.
2: Yeah, we, <laughs> right. we actually deal with that quite a bit. It's like, man, last night during the tournament, they were howling and running all over. Tonight, where the heck did they all go? Yeah. We had the, yeah.
0: we, we had the opposite. During the tournament, we didn't hear or see squat. And then last week, you know, I'm getting vocals and they're coming in.
1: Oh, yeah. When there's money involved, they're going to lay quiet. <laughs> <laughs> For <laughs> us, at least. Yep. We were we were calling in West Texas. Oh God, I'm going to date. I'm going to age myself. It was probably twenty four years ago, twenty five years ago. We were calling West Texas, and we were filming, and we called thirty six coyotes in one night on rabbit distress. It was just. I mean, it was easy. You couldn't do nothing wrong. The next night, exact same weather conditions, you know, same moon phase, same barometric pressure, same everything. And we went from having no blank stands all night the first night to the next night, just two miles over, um, the first nine stands blank. So I said, the heck with that. I'll just start, you know, and I was just hand calling the whole, every set. So I just started using a howler and pup distress and thank God, because that's what they wanted to hear that night. You know, we only killed six that night compared to 36 the night before. Yeah. That's crazy. But, uh, but uh that's always made me scratch my head. You know, everything on paper was the same. So on topic of weather,
2: is there anything that you're gonna wake up, look outside, and say, I gotta be out there
1: versus I'm staying in today? Oh, if there's a if I wake up and I gotta, gotta bear in mind, Midwest boy moved to the desert out here. If I wake up and there's snow on the ground, I'm hunting. Period. And what's so crazy is. That snow may have not have started. I mean, I'm not probably telling you guys anything different than what you're used to all the time. That snow may have not have started until 11, 12 o'clock at night. I get up at sunrise or right before sunrise and go hunting, and there's freaking coyote tracks everywhere in that snow. In that very short amount of time, they covered a lot of freaking ground.
2: Yeah. You what,
1: know? A, what about
2: wind speed? Is there a maximum for you or a minimum? I hate. I hate
1: the wind um if it's windy i hate it it, what i always tell guys is if you ever watch any of my videos either you know on that dvd or 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 any of the youtube videos or any of that kind of stuff any of those really good scenes you'll see that the wind's probably like four or five miles per hour you know you never see me say okay here comes a triple and they're coming to this sound and the wind is 28 miles out of the west no it ain't happening um so yeah i mean I don't like a dead calm, I hate, you know, where it's dead calm, switching wind, unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, the coyotes aren't even moving that good on those kind of days or evenings. Um, and it may not be that they can't, you know, I always try to apply human logic and thought, okay, well, it's because they can't predict which way the wind's going. So they're not going to jeopardize themselves. Now, that's probably not it at all. It's probably the condition that causes that is what's the also got them bedded down you know a a high pressure system pushing down on us or whatever it is yeah um and then if it's too windy you know there's lots of days i went calling and it was just stupid wind you know 25 mile per hour sustained winds and uh and i just i just hang it up you know this is just a waste of time i go home and i'll be dang if there's an, a pair of coyotes out in my hay field I'm hunting and their tails are standing straight out from the wind blowing so strong yep yeah you know?
0: now so another thing in terms of the wind and this is something i've thought about before and people talk about it in your experience if you have a higher wind do the coyotes go further out to catch that wind
1: yep absolutely the stronger the wind the further downwind they go yeah one night One night, uh, many years ago, 10, 12 years ago, uh, back when we used to use a spotlight before thermal was even invented, you know, for the public market. (laughs) Um, We called in 14 coyotes in an evening and couldn't get a single shot at any of them because they all went 400 yards and further downwind. You know, Um, again, that was before using e-callers. That's when I was hand-calling, but they were very consistent. By golly, every stand we were calling something up, but they would head, I mean, and even if they were, even if they were crosswind to you or even upwind to you, they would run a huge circle and hit that and then just stand down there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if I was using an e-collar at that time, one that's got a good remote, by golly, I would drive that collar up there 400 yards and I would be standing right there in the downwind, 400 yards downwind of it, because mm-hmm. they were very consistent about it but it was impossible to take any kind of shots. Hmm. So yes, stronger the wind, further downwind they go.
2: So you would just recommend in that situation, putting a call or if you're using an e-call
1: further upwind then. Absolutely. Um, Josh, when you were on a hunt here, it was windy as all get out. Remember? And we, and we use that tactic. And you're like, this is how we hunt back home, you know, and I'm, you know, God gave me two ears and one mouth. So I listen twice as much as I talk. <laughs> well, and that's one of the
2: things we talked about. Cause you're like, I think that was like the first day, maybe it was the second day. And you're like, yeah, we're probably not even going to waste time. And I'm like, man, if we didn't waste time in this
1: wind, we would hunt 90% less time. Yeah. Yeah. You said, Hey, back home, back home. We, uh, we stick to call our way up wind and we stand right directly down wind. And we did that and shoot, man, you win. coyotes. Like right in her lap. Yep. On on windy nights that I wouldn't even think of going out because you, your hat's about to blow off.
2: Yeah, and I missed. I remember that.
1: <laughs> we don't <laughs> talk about. That. that was my first Mapes of the week.
2: <laughs> so, the, the main thing I wanted to talk to you about tonight was vocalizations and different sound usages during different times of the year. So, like right now, we're in the breeding season. Um, I'm starting 90% of my stands with a female vocal or a pair howl. How would Tony Tebby go about it during
1: breeding season? During breeding season, during breeding season, I use a lot more vocals. You know, the coyotes are more vocal. Um, you know, you, you gotta get, you kind of, you know, you know, you know, the whole match the hatch, right? Well, it's, that's a pretty high priority right now of finding a mate, defending that, defending that mate, trying to mate with that mate, and run anybody else out of the territory that you're wanting to uh, call home and, and den. So there's a whole lot more vocalization, a whole lot more fighting going on right now. Um, you know, I've got, I raise coyotes and you've seen them, Josh, uh, they, they howl all the time here. They group, you know, they a pair how they howl all the time, but they don't necessarily get into fights, but by golly, this month they are every day. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's where I get all my vocals. Most of my coyote fight sounds I record that I use throughout the year. I record in the months of January and February. Um, these two and most of it is, uh, a male coyote super interested in the female who's super interested in him but doesn't isn't ready to commit.
2: So how are you going out and starting a stand right now?
1: Right now? Right now I'm keeping it simple. I like to sound like a pair of coyotes. Um, if one was to look at my sound library you'll see I have a lot more pair of sounds available than I do single coyotes. Um, that comes from years of experimentation going all the way back to when I used to howl with a a horn howler locating coyotes, you know, in the Midwest, we would locate on a Friday night and then go hunt them Saturday morning, you know, or we'd just get up, you know, three hours before sunrise and go locate, mark our properties down and then go back, hunt hunt it backwards and uh, call those properties. And uh, I remember lots of times my buddy Scott there in Iowa he would just sit in the truck, you know, cause it's cold, you know, it's five below and I'm out there howling by myself, no responses. And I'm like, you know, get your lazy butt out and help me. And he was kind of intimidated about blowing on a call in front of somebody. So he would howl. And then I would join in with him and it would sound like a pair. Boom. They would fire off, you know, uh, after ignoring a single coyote.
0: Hmm.
1: And then, and then as I'm using an, uh, an e-caller and then, eventually record my own sounds i just there's something about a pair of coyotes that gets coyotes fired up either vocally or or to come investigate it's like they can tolerate a single one but they're not going to tolerate a happy-go-lucky pair that's calling hey we're happy and we like this place and i think we're going to keep this place you know they don't like that
2: See, now I've been starting my stands, like I said, with pretty much female vocals right off the get go, just because I've always thought if you sounded like a lonely female out there, you have the possibility of calling in a female who is around and doesn't want that female there and a male that still hasn't found a
1: mate. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, that's still, yeah, that's still a good thing. Uh, you know, what, what I've been doing personally is, is going in, sound like a pair of coyotes, dipping and Holland, maybe go into a second series of that. And then just to add a little salsa to it, uh, I've got a recording called uh, Big Boy. It's a big, brrr, big male coyote, coon hound is sounding. Um, just because I've had a handful of stands lately um, that will bring in a hard charger coyote that comes directly to the collar, could care less about wind direction. And it's usually a big old male. Two and, vocals. Um, exactly. And it, and it's, it's that deep male howl that brought him in, you know, and I've got lots of stories where I've done rabbit distress and vocals and coyote fights and, and uh, have action and killing stuff. And then I use a big male howl and all of a sudden from a totally different direction, different direction, 30 minutes later, here comes a big male coyote who'd been listening to all that crap. And I know he had been because he didn't. Danger didn't cross the highway at noon. You know, he was in that block of timber right there. Um, and uh, there's something about a big male coyote howl, you know. And I don't think one really needs to worry about. You know, I used to, I used to be religious about being afraid to use a big deep howl because it might intimidate and all that. I mean, I've seen a lot of little coyotes have a big deep howl to them, and I've seen a lot of big mean old looking male coyotes that were squealy like you would have swore they were a pup, you know?
2: So do you think if you hear vocals, I mean, can Tony Tebby determine an age off of a vocal that they hear? I mean, do you think you know
1: that? I used to, I used to be pretty cocky. Okay. Um, and uh, I used to be pretty cocky about it. Uh, but I've, I've seen lots of coyotes howling that are a pup. And they sound like an old one. And vice versa. Hmm. You know, I remember, I remember um, Rick Pellett called me one time a few years ago, and we were talking about this topic, and he said, listen to this recording. And it was a big, oh, big, deep coon hound sound. I was like, holy crap. He said, yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, like a five-month-old male pup. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he, he said, you would think it's, you know, a six-year-old deep chested. He said, no, he's just, he's get you know, he's got a deep voice like, like some of them country singers or something, you know? Okay. So every coyote's got their own voice. Um, I do believe coyotes can recognize that voice and, uh, and going in, going in and sounded like a strange coyote is your goal. You're, you're going to play something. That's, that's why I always keep in my back pocket, a whole bunch of different kinds of recordings, um, so when I play something, there's a good chance they ain't never heard that one before. Yeah.
2: See, and that's, yeah. that's one thing Kevin asked Buck on the podcast was, do you think like, let's say for us, we only had one Tony Tebby howl on our call. Do you think the coyotes in that area are going to recognize that howl as danger? If we've called them in on that howl, shot them, missed them, whatever. Do you think, do you think they'd still recognize that specific howl
0: or just use that sound repetitively? If that's um, all you had,
1: I think, I think so. Um, I think they can recognize just like they can recognize uh, a prey recording. They can recognize a howl recording. Um, you know, I, I've, I've got titles that are close by that I like to test sounds on so I can go out in an evening or maybe on a, tuesday morning you know and do a stand and just see how those coyotes react okay in addition i run decoy dogs they both have the same reactions of well, my decoy dogs have heard most most all my sounds they go on all my stands with me but if i play a sound that's new to them they jump to their feet and they'll go to the checkouts caller. they can recognize the difference um so I think a coyote who may not necessarily be any smarter, but dang sure warrior could recognize it. And, and then did the last time that, that play or last time I heard that sound, was it a positive response or was it negative?
0: Right.
1: It was it a sub? you know, yeah. Was it a, uh, a sonic boom above my head as a bolt <laughs> bullet went on <laughs> or this, or this hole I have in my left foot
0: right new racing stripe yeah. down the side
1: <laughs> exactly or or carl's head exploded <laughs> you know I, it, yeah they're gonna remember that <laughs> okay. um trying to think of other good analogies i, mean, I got a bunch of them. you know um if something's different they absolutely pick up on it okay um if it triggers and gets them to come to it unfortunately most of the time always resolves in a negative response they're either going to die or attempt getting killed (laughs) you know what I mean yep so yeah there's a reason why I produce so many files and I produce my files for me so that I always have a fresh toolbox of sounds when I go hunting you know people come and spend good hard-earned money to hunt with me and uh and I don't want these cows any smarter I want them dumb each down
2: And I actually talked to uh, Rick Paulette the other day about, I I got the new super revolt and I was talking to him and he said, well, how many sounds you got on there? I said, 678, I think he goes, holy (laughs) crap. Why do you need that many? I said, dude, a 40 acre section right next door to my house has seven people that can call it, Mm -hmm. you know, so I, I try to keep as much stuff as I can right there. So when everybody's going out there using the exact same thing, I'm not.
1: Amen. I agree with that. You know, I used to have a tagline back before Facebook and all that. Um, and then I was used on Facebook and I think I used it on some of my marketing dare to be different. Yep. Right. And, and that's a model I always lived by. Um, you know, in high school, if everybody was driving a Camaro, I'll t- give me a Mustang, you know, just do something different. What's saying? If you're doing what I would call competitive calling, Meaning, meaning that, um, you're trying to call coyotes that everybody else is also trying to call Then just do it different, you know, do something different. You know, it, if those coyotes have heard it all, you know, I, I talk to a lot of guys, um, that call me and ask for advice. And they, I said, well, tell me how your stands are. Well, I always go, I always go in and I start out with a, uh, you know, a long interrogation howl, and then I'll wait a minute. And then I'll go in with a, you know, I'll follow it with a male interrogation, huh? And then and then I'm going to go in and I'll start with like, you know, a cottontail or a bird. I'm like, okay, this always word is killing me right here. Whatever you always do, quit doing it. Slip in, start with a coyote fight. If nothing comes in, slip out as quiet as you did. You can go back tomorrow and try something different. Or you can go back in an hour. I don't care.
2: So, so on that, do you believe in overcalling a property?
1: I believe in desensitizing uh, your coyotes. Absolutely. What do you mean by that? If they say they hear the same rabbit distress every freaking day, ain't gonna mean shit to them. You know what I mean?
2: So you're just um, to go in and do it differently every time.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I just want to be, I want to do something different. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to trigger response and you're wanting to be something different. You know, you know, let's, let's talk about prey distress for a little while. You know, not too often does a rabbit squeal in the wild. Those instances a coyote hears that probably is maybe I'm just guessing and, and we're all guessing at any of this stuff that may only happen three times a year. Or maybe three times in their lifetime, you know? Oh. So, let's say right now during
2: breeding season,
1: are you using fighting sounds too? I'll I'll spin to a place, I'll sound like a pair of coyotes. Maybe throw out a big male coyote, a howl after that, and then I go right into my fights. I don't mess with any rabbit or anything right now.
2: So, Um, rabbit's not on the menu for you during breeding season? No.
1: No. You know, and before... Before I knew anything about coyote vocals, you know, back in the '80s, I wouldn't even mess with going calling these this time of the year because it must be breeding season or something because they're not coming to the rabbit distress and that's the only thing we knew how to do was blow on a, a rabbit sound. So we wouldn't even mess with it. We would we would just wait until you know March or April and hurry up and get some calling in before the beans came up, you know. So right now during
2: breeding season, what are the top 3 Tony Teppy recommended TT signature sounds?
1: Oh. Shoot. I like just like when I use prey, I like to build up, okay? I like I like to start with light fight. One of my new sounds. Yep. And then I'm going to kick it up a little bit and go with like barn burner. Okay? And then I'm going to kick it up the street floor. And then I'm going to go crazy with generator mayhem. Okay. And that's just intensity, you know, building up.
2: So do you believe in telling a story with your sound usage? No, sir. Okay. I mean, you say you're yes. building up, but what are you building up to then if you're not telling the story? I want to,
1: because I want to call in... If I can call in coyotes, you know, let's say there's only, let's say there's only uh, a group of three coyotes in the whole hearing area or, or or where I'm calling. Yep. If I can call, if I can call them in to, to light fight, which is just a little grab ass kind of yipping and nipping, and get one killed, and maybe the other two get away, right? Then I can go back there another time with a more tense fight. Toss somebody up, you know. So, I don't, you know, it's kind of like that poker game where you don't want to show them everything in your hand. So, if I can, yeah, if I can get them killed without showing them everything that I've got in my arsenal, because like Den Raid, once I play Den Raid, I really have a hard time coming up with something new because, well, that's pretty damn intense.
2: Okay.
1: You know, I don't know what else. What do you play after that? Yeah. You know, a puppy doesn't mean squat after that.
2: Okay, so then let's say we're a couple months down the road, and I know you don't do much hunting during denning season, but we do because we are. What are you still, talking about? Well, I mean, I talked to you before, and you said you didn't like to do it because you got clients you'd rather put on those coyotes. So, I mean, maybe you still do hunt, but we hunt.
1: I don't know. A religiously, lot. yeah, religiously. So, and, what, I bet you, and I bet you don't. I bet you don't tr- only shoot the male. Oh no.
2: <laughs> so we're pretty much most of our landowners here and i know i talked to you about that they don't care what it is if it's a coyote it's dead kill it yep and so so if you're out there calling during denning season do you throw rabbit on the menu now or are you still using vocals and
1: pups yeah traditionally traditionally there's a quiet period of calling until until we you know as predator hunters we figured out vocals and fighting um, there's a quiet period that, you know, is, uh, February into March. That was always h- harder than hell to call up a coyote, And then after that, it kind of seems to stabilize back out and they'll start coming into rabbit stress. Now, at that point, most of the coyotes have found their mate and they've got a territory that they're keeping. They may be responding to rabbit because, well, we're back to eating again, or they may be responding to rabbits to see who in the hell's got it. Who knows why they're coming. But I'm still gonna use the coyote fights. You know, those coyote fights, that that coyote fighting is gonna, you know, it works all year long, but it works really good all through breeding season, all the way through freaking August, September. Okay. You know, everybody's fighting for different reasons. Pups got it. Pups got it out of their territory into somebody else's territory, you know, um, or uh, a bachelor group of males, a couple, a couple of three males are, they're on a cu- puppy killing spree, you know, and they're, that's what's, that's what's on the menu. Mom and dad are going to come defend it, you know, okay. or the pack is going to come defend it. So, so yeah, um, I'll start mixing in the prey. Up until denning, actual denning season, the actual denning season around here starts maybe uh, mid-May, you know, and the breeding, you know, the breeding's across the board. So that's why you have, come fall, you still, you'll have puppies that are three-quarters tall and some puppies that are only nine pounds, you know, um, because the breeding is, there's no exact specific date. Um. It's when they come in the heat during that time of year, the uh, I I purposely don't use any prey when the pups are starting to get out of the den, you know, in May, June, July, only because I don't want to call puppies. That's a personal thing. And the reason I don't want to call puppies is because my decoy dogs will catch and kill them. And I don't want to reduce my numbers. You know, like, again, we hunt for different reasons.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. You're a guide for anybody that doesn't know Tony Tebby. He's a guide down in New Mexico. So, any coyote you kill is one less that a client is going to come be able to kill.
1: Exactly. Now that being said, we will hunt every day month of May and half of June. Okay. We with with decoy dogs. I guide I guide clients during those days. Um, and normally what we'll do is we'll decoy four or five pairs of coyotes on a on a morning or maybe just two or three pairs on a morning and then we'll kill maybe one maybe two coyotes all morning and we'll selectively take the mail again that goes back to don't want the puppy just dying in the den um and and we just basically watch them until they start you know when you're using decoy dogs in the spring there's a lot of barking and howling and up close action and pissing and when they piss and urinate, that's when we can say, that's the male. taken.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. So your female pet coyote, is she currently in heat?
1: Absolutely. When did she start? She started, she started bleeding and she's done this every year. She'll start bleeding, um, kind of a spotting, bleeding, like uh, mid-December. Okay. She's still, she's still bleeding now. He's still investigating her. He's still, you know, he's still trying to get some. Hmm. Um, you know, I checked her, I guess, just last week. And, uh, you know, and, and when you have pet coyotes and you feed them high-quality feed, they are big I mean, They are fluffed up bigger than crap. So you can't necessarily see all the naughty parts. So I just reached my hand there in there and felt and had a handful of blood. I'm like, all righty. So okay. still in heat
2: <laughs> yeah because I know somebody it was either late November or early December shot a coyote while they were deer hunting and they said it was already in heat
1: yeah usually what usually here when we're hunting we'll start killing females in heat you know bleeding uh from the first of December all the way to up to the first of March hmm.
2: okay so you're talking a four month span that pups are being born then too
1: yeah, yeah, and, and you know, and maybe, I don't know, I know what a dog does, you know, and of's not that different, their gestation is 60 days versus a dog is 63, um, uh, but a dog, the rule of thumb on a, on, a, on a canine or a pet dog is, you know, they'll bleed for two weeks, and you breed them for two weeks, and then they'll go out for two weeks, but, I don't know, maybe cows will bleed longer, I don't know. All I know is all I can tell you is what I observe and that's what we've observed.
2: So when you do go out calling during denning season, when let's say females are in the den with pups, um, are you calling in mostly males or do you still call in a lot of females that might've left the den?
1: Um. Yeah, there seems to be a quiet period when they're like in the den with pups or they're so pregnant about to pop, so they don't come to the call. Whatever it is, um, we'll call in more males, or we'll call in dry, what, what we call a dry female—one that just didn't have pups. Not every, not every coyote breeds. Not every coyote has pups. Um, interesting was the uh, the pair of females I had, Canty and My. My um, was the dominant female from birth. And when she came into heat the very first time, her first year, she went from best friend to her sister to actually, absolutely jumping her sister 24-7 and whooping the shit out of her. So subsequently, she didn't come into heat. She never, she never came into heat. Her sister, my, the big dominant bitch, learned how to climb her kennel Got out. My neighbor shot her. Oh, my God. Hey, there's a coyote in your front yard. And boy, that thing was dumb. It came right to the truck and I killed it for you. Oh, great. Thanks. I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks later. Canty came into heat. Because the dominant one wasn't there anymore. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, you know, from my. my little ecosystem i have here you know uh the alpha one whoops the shit out of all the other females to try to drive them out of the territory or if they stick around they just don't come in heat that's and maybe dogs and maybe dogs are that way too i don't know huh
2: yeah that's an it
1: was it was fierce it was ferocious on how mean she was to her sister um so one i recorded it all two i used that in as a predator hunter you know let's do a whole shitload of fighting and it worked and the harder the fighting i sounds i would record and play the harder the responses i would get
2: okay hmm. okay so now let's move into the fall time you got pups that are running around uh hunting by themselves you got both you know two adults at least in the area that are alive and running around how does your yes, call sir. sequences change then are you using a lot more rabbit distress at that point
1: yeah you know as i get as i get older and want to slow down in life a bit i've reduced my guiding to pretty much october november december that is and and, and the reason being is that's your money time that's when you produce the most amount of coyotes that's when the coyote population is at its highest it's when if as long as you didn't screw with them all summer long, it's when your coyotes are the dust. And you could really feel like Michael Jordan out there, you know, in October and calling 50, 60 coyotes in a three-day hunt. Um, all on rabbit distress.
2: And you still run uh, pup though, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I'll finish with pup. You know, I'm you know, my my calling sequence is a lot like probably everybody else is, you know, Um, I'll uh, do cottontail. And then here, because we're in the West, I'll go with jackrabbit. And then I'll go into, um, uh, I got a sound called teen spirit, which is three young coyotes yipping and howling. And then I'll go into uh, coyote, alternate between coyote fights and and a single pup uh, distress squealing, you know, to try to pick up mom and dad or what have you. And I've seen some of the neatest things, you know, in late September. i doing, we we're on a stand, pup distress, or doing habit, nothing, nothing, nothing. Went into pup distress, pretty good pup fight that I was playing. And here comes a guy walking, and he's walking, and walking, and he's walking. He walks down the edge of the fence line, and he's walking to us, tail wagon as he gets closer. What the hell? One, it was like molasses. I could have made a sandwich and ate it, you know, by the time he got. But he finally got to, it, turned out to a coyote pup. My client shot it. Can you hear me okay? Okay. It was a little bitty coyote pup, and it had a cantaloupe-sized wad of grasshoppers in its stomach. It was coming to pup distress, wagging his tail, happy-go-lucky like he found, he found his siblings. You know and i think that probably has a lot to do with mom bringing back food and the puppies fighting over it so pup distress pup fighting equals food <laughs> is is how i would relate that so i've called in pups to pup distress i've called bobcats into pup distress
0: mm-hmm. i have yeah. two.
1: <laughs> yeah you know you know and it, it, it that's what's so, so fun about this sport you know um I run decoy dogs, I'll play dead raid, which is a very, very hardcore fight sound, right? And cops will come in, let's say a group of them, four of them, they're coming in hard chargers, and they'll see my dog and tuck tail and take off, running in the opposite direction. I'm like, what did you expect to find at the end of that sound, you know? Uh, one
0: thing that really shocked me was, I think it was last season or the season prior to that, I had a fox come in hotter than heck to Den Raid. I would have never expected that, but that sucker came in so fast we didn't even have a chance to get on it. He came in <laughs> ran right to the caller, then turned around and ran right back away. On Den Raid. I had
1: that I had that happen to me just about um 3 weeks ago. I was testing out some sounds and then I finished a stand with Mayhem, which is really really hardcore. And uh and here comes a, a kit fox. and they're little, they're smaller mm-hmm. than a gray box. You know, they're teeny tiny little things like a chihuahua and it come bouncing hardcore in. Um, and of course we couldn't shoot them. They're, they're a protected species. You can't shoot them at night. And uh, I don't know what the heck he expected to do when he got there. <laughs> but I mean, it was a straight up coyote fight going on, you know, multiple coyotes.
2: He didn't so, care yeah, to so get his butt whipped.
1: Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, yeah, he, he, he would have been dinner.
2: Do they kill the kit fox out there? The coyotes? Huh? Do they the coyotes kill the kit fox?
1: I would assume so. Yeah. Um, the, what saves the kit foxes. They're kind of like the red fox back in the Midwest is they den in a hole in the ground all year long. So they will run like a striped ass ape until they get their hole and whoosh, down in the hole. They go.
2: Can they climb trees? There's no trees here to
1: climb. That's true. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think, I don't think they, can climb trees like a like a gray fox there. yeah i think a okay. gray
0: fox is the only one that can do that
1: it's crazy what they climb you know the only time you find gray fox around here you don't find them out in our open country because they're they'll be coyote bait. but you'll find them in town and you'll pick them up in your headlights and they're like walking around on the roofs of people's houses and shit how'd you get up there <laughs> you know right <laughs> okay. so or the other question is why yeah where, yeah what's
2: up there that you want mm-hmm. so do you believe in pausing for five ten minutes in between vocals no
1: well Why not? well now you said vocals yeah, i mean you you've hunted with me um i don't pause between my prejudice dress i fire right from one to the next yeah you don't, don't even have, pause. coyotes are reactionary you you know um but, but when I do do vocals, I do pause it. Um, just because it really does sound unnatural, you know, burr, 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 you know, it's like, what the heck is going on? It sounds like a, a kennel over there. Yeah. I do do. I do pause, uh, between vocals and usually, you know, like usually, like you know, the month of February back when I used to just hand call, you know, burr, on a, on a horn howler. Um, February was a cat and mouse game, you know, you let out a couple of howls and then you let and you sit and you watch and let that coyote hunt for you for that sound source, yep. you know? So they kind of, if you're making a lot of racket during the day doing that, they're going to spot you, you know? Okay. So, uh, so yeah, I do, I do do pauses uh, and try to make it sound as natural when it comes, when it comes to vocals.
2: Well, see, for me, I run, I'll run a howl and then be quiet. And I do it mostly because I want to hear if they're responding somewhere. Absolutely. So if you do get a group howling back at you or even just a single, I mean, let's say it's right now, breeding season. You howl, they howl back at you. What?
1: What's your thought process for your next sound? Um, if I get a response and they sound like they're pretty good. The first thing, like anyone else, first thing that's going through my head is, can I cut the distance down on them? Yes or no? A lot of my country's wide open, so the answer is no. <laughs> For one, they, you, already, you already said, hey, we're over here. So they're already kind of looking over that direction, you know, or they're going to look there more than often, more than they would normally look that way. Um, Or they may be coming to investigate, or they may be heading to a little high spot to be able to see that way. Um, or they may just be, responded vocally and don't care. Um, if I can cut the distance down, if I say, "Oh, you know what? They're in that next pasture. They're just on the other side. You know, of that of that brush. We could go ahead and slip up there, drive, and cut that distance down. Slip up and get on the edge of that brush and and, uh, and try to howl again. If I can, that's always your best bet.
2: Is if that the be- case?
1: It's wide open, or the or it's just too loud crunchy snow or what have you then um i already got their attention you know if if i howl and they howl i got their attention if i can't move closer to them i just go right into my coyote fights you know maybe throw out a little bit of rabbit to see if that helps you know maybe just do it on the hand call you know it all i go by gut a lot
2: okay
1: just instinct
2: well then does your calling there like because for people that don't know you're originally from illinois yes sir so does your calling in new mexico is is it a lot different than you would call in illinois because of population of coyotes yeah make sense
1: yeah yeah um i may sit a little bit longer here than i would uh you know Back in the Midwest, I would sit at a spot, you know, and I day I day call most time, you know. Night call, and everything changes, you know. You come there block builder, they'll cross county roads and the whole bit. But during the day, during the day, I sat long enough to what I felt any coyotes in this block that I'm calling. You know, I was calling usually to a creek line or, or you know, some little block of woods. Um, from the its farthest point to get to me. So that stand, may, that stand may only be 10, 15 minutes. Now, it may not take them 10, 15 minutes to get there. I mean, it kind of cover a lot of ground. That being said, um, when I go back home to Illinois and me and dad go calling, I to say damn sounds, I use here. You know? Yep, I've um, seen
2: a lot of them to jackrabbit here, and there's no jackrabbits in this state dare to be different gotta be they're screaming monkey right? too not very many people use <laughs> so you mentioned earlier you know when you get when you get a vocal if you can cut the distance you will i'm going go through a scenario real quick here because this happened to me the other day i hit them with waylon and jesse pair howls and they answered way behind me, still on the same pr- landowner's property, but in a different section because it's across the road and it's down in a creek bed. I called it for 15 minutes after that. And then I ran over there and set up and called. I couldn't get a vocal. I never saw one. Do you think that sometimes just making that distance shorter is what creates
1: the, the uh, what makes them trigger? In, in that scenario, Josh, what I would have done, assuming that you know the loud, the snow wasn't too crunchy and blah 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 blah, um, if I would have started my stand gal, and knowing that there may not be you know a ton of coyotes in this area, and they respond and they're behind me, I would have picked up move right then, okay, and not not call that stand for fifteen minutes.
2: Because what I'm you wondering know? is if they were actually coming to me and I left when they were coming could be yeah could be so so do you think that cutting the distance sometimes will be the trigger that makes them come in
1: yes sir yeah i think so i think cutting the distance uh you know and it it may show that whatever's you know let's and let's just stick with the vocals um okay there's a group of cats over there Okay, they're new. We'll respond. We're over here. Holy shit. They're closer now. You know? That's Who the hell I that. think they are? <laughs> it, that, exactly. That, that, that will trip them up on a totally different instinct. Like, oh, hell no. You know, we just told you, this is our <laughs> turf. Don't right. come over here. And you just got closer?
2: Seriously?
0: Yeah.
2: So you would have moved and gone right back to the uh, vocal again. Absolutely. Yeah. So here's a scenario that's actually, we've seen it a whole bunch of times. Let's say you're calling a section and they're right there in front of you, like using thermal at night, you feel like you should be able to see them already, <laughs> but you never see them through a whole stand. What do? You, why do you think they'll respond right there or... <laughs> you know just let you know that they're there but they'll just stay there i mean there's been times when i've called for 30 minutes and the whole time if i howl they howl in the exact same spot but they never move
1: yeah that that stuff happens all the time all the time you know they're for whatever reason those cows are on lockdown you know and it could have nothing to do do with your ability to call or what call brand you're using or what sounds you're using. They are on lockdown, be it mother nature's got them chained down for whatever reason, you know? Um, I remember a specific stand, a stand that produces probably an 80% stand, produces 80% of the time. Um, I slip in there right at sunset. Oh man, the stand's looking good. The wind's perfect. Start calling rabbit. Wow, 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 yeah, going through all that. Nothing. Man, sun's setting faster, faster. Oh man. Okay, let's do a group howl. You know, let's do a pair howl. Then let's do a group howl. I, I worked myself all the way up to Den raid. Okay. And in the middle of Den raid, same deal coyotes that you feel like you should be able to see, they sound like they were only 100 yards in front of you. They're group howling, happy-go-lucky, yipping and howling when they should be on full alarm of a big-ass coyote fight going on, let alone all the you know all the prey distress that was going on. Don't know. For whatever reason, they just, you didn't trip their trigger, you know? It's just like, and I always use the analogy because I've I, believe a predator is a predator um i use the, the analogy of uh you know coyotes and and largemouth bass you know and going fishing you know there's some days when you're like holy shit look at that big old bass laying along that edge of that log and you're you go through your whole tackle box and he just sits there and you, you know you're you're dragging a worm right across its head and he won't even move and then there's that other day and there's, you're just not going to catch that fish that day, period. It's not turned on. Then there's another day where you're throwing a buzz bait, and it jumps out of the water before it even hits the water. You know? And you're like, it could be the exact same fish, totally different day.
2: So, so there, for everybody listening, there's Tony Tubby telling you that even he has those days. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Definitely have those days. Those are the days that, A... Predator hunters don't talk about. They don't put that shit on TV. They don't yeah. put it on YouTube videos. And those who say they don't have them are full of shit. All those are the those days that you got a hard chargers that come running right to you, and you're you can feel your heart beating in your throat. Those are the days that make up for all the other crap. For sure. You know? Yeah, yeah it just takes one stand. Yeah. And you never know which one it is. You never I always said you never know when you're one stand away from something phenomenal, you know, right. Yeah, and that's what keeps going.
2: Yeah. And that's when that's usually on those long tournament nights where you're like 18 sets in and it's like, we've <laughs> seen two now set 18. Here comes a triple like, holy crap. I'm glad I stayed awake this whole time. So do you think it's possible to pattern coyotes? Define pattern. Uh, can, can Tony Tebby say in three days this group is going to be here? No. Okay. Is that because of how, how much they travel, or you just think that they are really just scattered?
1: Yeah. Um, you'll see you'll, – you'll notice certain patterns, like, um, you know, now with the invention of trail cams and stuff, you know, that kind of changes the game. But just from vocally, you know, there's a hillside at my behind my neighbor's house, and about every two weeks, those cows will fire off howling. And if they fire off and howl on a Tuesday, it may be two weeks on a Tuesday again before they fire off and howl again. Now, is that the only night they're howling? Or the only night you happen to be outside when they're howling? Or are they traveling a big old circle? Don't know. I can't pattern them like that. Okay. What about
0: on, um, when you have bait or a carcass? Bait, is a lot,
1: that's a lot different yeah
0: bait, we, get, bait, we get asked bait. that quite a bit around here um you know hey should i put out bait how long should i sit on it i only once have had luck with any sort of baiting and it's only because i had a trail camera out there seeing they were hitting it pretty regular went out and called about 100 yards from it and had success that's the only time i've had success on it
1: <laughs> yeah um Baiting is really tricky. Um, I will go, I will go hit, you know, we don't, we don't put bait stations out here, uh, but we will run across a dead cow. Right. And I'll only go hit up a dead cow if I see cows on it. Um, I remember one time we were down in Texas hunting on a ranch and the ranch hand said, hey, can you, can you guys help us? Help me. He says, I've got a, a steer that was stuck in the pond and in the mud and he died, you know, and I need some help getting him out. So he, he, it was too far from him to throw his lasso. So he waded out there, got this lasso around this dead, uh, you know, this dead steer. And we pulled it with the truck and we got it out of there. So I said, uh, I'll go, I'll go drag it over here for you. I got a plan for it. So I drug that sucker. laser range find 100 yards from an oil well specifically because we're going to kill coyotes off Mm it. i checked that carcass that night no coyotes hit it the next day no coyotes hit it that next night no coyotes hit it the next day no coyotes hit it the next night no coyotes hit it well heck then we were night calling that ranch and left there at 11 o'clock at night because it was getting windy let's check that bait nope nothing hit it well we're going to come back in the morning at sunrise at sunrise half of that carcass was gone like four days it sat there for four days no coyote was hitting it and then in that short time frame they just absolutely put the slaughter on it why have no idea it wasn't like you know, and, and you try to apply human logic. Well, you know, maybe because it was sick or it was vaccinated and all that kind of stuff. No, no, that wasn't the case. You know, but then, but then also, that same ranch hand told me a story about he had a cow die there in his in his uh, the feed next to his house. So he had to drag her out. So he just drug her like a hundred yards out, and the cows ate her in one night. That night.
2: Do you not think that coyotes can tell if an animal was sick and died because I've heard that before and I I believe I kind of saw, witnessed it almost uh, my brother-in-law found a deer in the cornfield that they deer hunt that was dead from the ve- like during velvet It was a buck that still had velvet on it all the skeleton was completely intact as if it had laid down tucked its head and died and just completely rotted. Nothing ate it, and this area, I kill a lot of coyotes in that area. There's a bunch of them there, but that thing had to have sat out there for you know six, eight months by the time he found it, and it was just a fully assembled skeleton that hadn't been moved from its laying location, but we had bad cases of EHD in the area at that time.
1: Gotcha. Now, bear in mind, that was probably uh, during hot weather.
2: Yeah, probably so, it probably died in
1: August. Okay, so so the flies are on it. The maggots start. The mag Once the maggots start hitting on it, they are not going to eat on it no more. The coyotes no. won't. Okay. No. 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 Okay. So, so the maggots got to it first. Huh. I had never never thought that would have mattered to them. I Me mean, neither. What's really neat is a, a bait station like a dead cow. Those coy, coyotes will come by and I, I used to trap by them a lot, mm-hmm. you know. Um, coyotes will come by it, months and months and months later. will come by just to visit that area. You know, and every coyote done urinated and scattered all around that thing too. Um why they go by and just visit it? No idea. You know, are they looking for a scrap? Are they looking to check to see if Charlie came by here? Don't know. Um you know, you hear a lot of things that where people talk about, well, if coyotes on a bait station, you can't call them. That's bullcrap. You know, I, fil- I filmed that. That's on my DVD. Um, I filmed that. We had 11 coyotes on a dead cow. And we went and filmed them. And it felt like National Geographic, all the coyote interaction we were getting. And then, finally, my brother's like, well, are we going to call them or not? I'm like, sure. Wah, wah, ra! Man, they come jumping over that carcass, come running to us. You know, it's a rabbit distress. Um, on nights that it's really slow here, we'll go hit up a dairy. You know, our dairies are big here, 7,500 head of cows, always got dead ones. And I'll call towards the dead pile and, you know, we'll call a, a bunch of coyotes. I did three stands and called in December last year, not this season, but season four. I did three stands in one night and called 21 coyotes. Holy cow. And. And I went to that dairy because we couldn't get shit called up anywhere else, you know? um, So yeah.
2: So around me, one of my things that I used to do a lot, I I still go driving around, but a lot of people illegally dump deer carcasses here after deer season, right outside of public roads. And one thing that I do is drive around and find those and I'll mark them on my map and I'll go there in the snow looking for tracks kind of like what you do with the cows and when I find them I've always gone in when I find that they're actually hitting it I've always gone in and used vocals thinking that it would tell them hey there's another coyote on my my food
1: yeah or at least build their confidence up that okay let's go hit it because somebody else is over there you know okay. either way okay absolutely so, uh, we 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 found a dead cow. We found a dead cow about a month ago. A dead bull, and I, I posted on about on Facebook about that. And it had twelve coyotes eating on it. You know, I know there's twelve because we counted them in the thermal. <laughs> and it, we ended up killing eight coyotes off of that off of that stand. Um, I think we stayed there for probably two hours, two and a half hours. Probably the longest time ever in my life where I stayed on a stand. And, but we, you know, it was dike time. We took our chair, we took our chairs out there, gun, uh, my client's gun was in his, you know, uh, tripod. And uh, I had the e-caller there, same thing. I would do group howls and all kinds of stuff.
2: Right over bait.
1: Uh-huh. Kay. Yep. And we sat up 116 yards on a crosswind
2: from that bait. Okay. So now I'm going to get into some questions that were actually sent to us. So one of the big ones is, do you still do a lot of scouting and what's, what do you look for the majority of the time when you're out there to tell you this is a good spot versus I'm not going
1: to waste my time. Gotcha. Um, I still do scouting, uh, when I pick up new land. Okay. Um, I don't go scouting my ranches that have most of my land I've had for 15 years. And and the stands that produce produce every year, okay. Um, and you you just got those marked in your head on, so you know. Hey, this is a, this is a good stand. Why? You know, it, the sound can get to certain draws, or it's got a better rabbit population there, better cover. Who knows what it is? Um. But when I pick up new land though. Yeah, I definitely go scouting. I scout a little different than I guess most people do. I scout it like a trapper. Um, you might get lucky and catch them on a night that they're vocal, or they may not be vocal that night. But tracks and scat—they don't lie. You know, I'm pretty good at spot. I can spot coyote shit in the middle of the road at 60 miles an hour, and then tracks. Anytime I get to a low spot, a creek line, uh, a corner fence where the fence comes to a corner on the county road, or yeah, I'm looking for tracks. You know that. Those tell the truth.
2: Man, everybody listen to the background right now. I hear coyotes <laughs> howling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the questions I get is, how loud do you play your vocals? I say all the way up. Yep. I never run a caller in full blast. I run it just one notch below full blast. But if one was to, and I think you you were here, Josh, when they were doing it, if one was to be near coyotes when they're yipping and howling, it is deafening. Yep. It, my ears will ring for a week. um it's high pitch like a damn ice pick in your ear it's so freaking loud and uh so don't be afraid when you're doing your vocals especially coyote fights crank that shit up you know so if, if you're
2: playing it on on full volume or almost full volume let's say you are running a coyote fight and
1: here comes a coyote do you touch that volume at all no if i got a coyote coming in i don't change nothing I used to, you know, and you, you, you experiment, you, that's the only way as a human, you learn, you know, you try stuff, you know, and I've, I've had them coming in, let's you know, say to pray or, or to coyote fight or something you start lowering the volume and you'll get cows. that will be, Whoa, something changed. You know, this sounds supposed to be getting louder as I get closer to it, not further away. Huh. Um, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I used to like, okay, here comes a coyote, you know, and I got rabbit stress going, I'm going to go ahead and turn it down and make them hunt for it. And that, no, I've learned, I spook a lot more coyotes than that. If they're coming into a certain sound, I don't change a damn thing.
2: Does that depend on how hard they're coming in? I mean, what if they are just kind of walking in?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, the ones that walk, the ones that walk in the sneakers, those are the easiest ones to kill. Usually The hard chargers are the exciting ones. Those are the ones I live for. They're the hardest to kill (laughs) because you can't get them to stop. You know, they ricochet. They come in and turn and run out just as fast as they came in. Um, But they're the most fun. Yeah, and it seems
2: here like, and Kevin, maybe you've seen the same, but to me, the hardest chargers always come off a pup or a fight.
0: Uh, Yeah, I would say most of them, but like that one I just killed this past weekend, that sucker was coming in steady and that was off an invitation howl. There was a female invitation howl, and he came in. I mean, he wasn't like hard charging, but he was running. He was definitely coming in hot. He's making
1: it to her, huh? Yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I would say in general, fights and pup distress are what gets them to come in the
1: fastest. Yeah, the hottest.
0: Yeah. And, and,
1: and, and, and in general... They'll usually come directly to the sound source. They don't go downwind like they do prey.
0: Yep. Okay.
1: You know, and, and my thought process on that is coyotes don't go downwind of the prey source to see if it's a human or not. They don't have, they're not that smart, you know? Um, I think they go downwind of the source because they're like a bird dog, you know, and a bird dog, if you've been hunting on bird dogs, you know, they'll, when you're hunting a railroad track or something they're going they're they're skirting down the downwind side of it you know because they use their nose you know majority of a coyote's hunting all of its life is using its nose more than any other feature. you know way more than you know hearing a rabbit squeal. so but when it comes to when it comes to a a fire vocals and that that's probably more of a visual thing okay
2: how long does the average TT stand last? I mean, when I was there, I remember some of them, you're like seven minutes. We don't kill one in seven minutes. We're going up the next spot. But we also <laughs> sat in some spots for 20.
1: Yeah, 15, 20 is probably the average. You know, um, if I pull into a place, if I pull into a spot, never did this stand before, and I look at it, you know, like it's a dead end on the road. Well, if it's a dead end, you might as well call it. What the hell you got to lose? And I'll just give it 10 minutes. It's going to be a 10 minute stand max. I'll be damned. Those are the ones that usually produce, you know, um, if I have a rancher last year, I had a rancher call me. He had some cabin problems over in Texas. And I went over there 11 o'clock at night by myself, never been on the property in my freaking life. I was just following an onyx pin that he sent me. And there's a bunch of irrigation circles, crop fields. And, uh, I only did four stands on the place cause I couldn't see a damn thing. You couldn't see, you know, three inches in front of you. It was so dark out, but uh, I only did three stands on the place but each one was like an hour and 45 minutes long. And the reason why is cause they kept coming. I killed nine coyotes. Hmm. I called 17, I killed nine of them. So when you
2: get to a stand location how, do you do any waiting before you set up and call? I mean, do you put the call Dude. and come back and sit down and wait for 10 minutes? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I'm competition hunting, like when I used to hunt the world championships, we would, me and my partner had an agreement. We would sit seven minutes. That's it. Because we had so many stands lined up throughout the day. I always feel that 80% of your coyotes are going to come in in the first seven minutes and of those coyotes that came in, 80% of them are going to come in in the first minute or two, okay? So I would always hand call because it's faster, way faster than Pat and put the e-caller out there. I would start calling before my ass would hit the ground, you know, because you're under a time crunch. It's totally different than pleasure. Yeah. But, yeah, there's no sitting and letting things quiet down and all that. That's just all. That's just all logic for a human to feel more confident. You know, um, I remember. I remember a few years ago, I had a client here, and uh, he'd never really been predator hunting before. And we went out in the morning, and I was breaking some brush because we're going to set up against this little bitty bush as our backdrop. So you know, I'll, I'll stomp that brush of those branches that want to be poking you in the back of the neck, and look, and here comes a hard charging pair of coyotes. They were coming to us to that brush breaking sound and like right there right there here's a pair of he's like what should i do i'm like kill him <laughs> it's like yeah, he killed he killed his first coyote before i even start playing the first sound you know so at the so end
2: that, of the stand at, at let's say you've you've called your 15 20 minutes do you sit and wait at all silently for anything or are you packing up and leaving
1: sometimes i do if i feel I feel for whatever reason, you know, that intuition or gut or whatever you want to call it, if I feel that there is a coyote there and I done played the gamut, I threw him everything, you know, including kitchen sink and a big old coyote fight. Um, I've killed a handful of coyotes by just sitting there and quiet. And that little sucker would come sneaking in to see what's going on. You know, it's a, probably a, a more submissive coyote that, Damn sure it doesn't want confrontation, but I'll slip in there and see if there's any bit of scraps left. You know that kind of a deal. I remember one night we were night calling, you know, in a high rack on a truck, spotlights, and we did four stands on a road that was a dead end road, sandy road. Coyotes were really vocal that night, so I I start calling, man, they start howling. Didn't call anything in. Went to do the next stand. Went to do the next stand. Went to the next stand all the way to the end, four stands. Driving out every single spot, the, the prior three stands, every spot that we had stopped, cause you can see where we stopped in the footprints where we got up in the high rack and all that. There was coyote piss and shit right there where the truck was parked. If I would have just sat and waited and who knows how long it was. It may have been just a couple of minutes, maybe 10 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, who knows. But if I would have waited, those coyotes showed up those three out of four times. Now, patience, you're asking somebody who doesn't have much patience. (laughs) And I think most predator hunters don't have patience. That's why predator hunting, they're attracted to predator hunting. Predator hunting is a great sport for somebody who has a short attention span, you know, versus sitting in a, you know, bow hunting and sitting in a stand for eight hours. You know, I'm going to make a whole lot of chaos. And 15 minutes later, I'm going to get up and leave and go do it again yeah so i i think most predator hunters are are not the most patient people
2: i see uh, i'm gonna disagree because kevin he's got a lot more patience behind the call than i do kevin will howl (laughs) and wait 10 minutes just sitting there (laughs) happy as can be and i'm like man i need to have something going because to me (laughs) i want i want them to know where the sound's coming from plus I don't know. I just feel like I'm wasting time, not giving them anything to come into, but we've both killed Kevin. And I both have killed just off a single howl and watching them come walking in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. I don't want them to stop and think I want to grab them by their ear and drag them uh, all the way to me. Okay. Uh, That's why I call so rapid so fast on prey and go right from one sound to the next. Bam, 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 bam. Um, but then also, I agree with you, you and Kevin have two totally different styles, yet you're still calling coyotes that come in. And, and, and that's what I tell guys when they call me and ask for advice is there's really no wrong way or right way. Everyone just needs to find their own style, you yep. know. Um, the key is you're out there, you're out there, you try to make the less intrusion as you can, the least amount of intrusion you can. And you want to create chaos and kill whatever comes in to, Catch in on that chaos yep and you know some guys are more subtle about it they only they only call on level two you know and they only call for 30 seconds and then wait five minutes and then fired up for another 30 seconds you know they're going to kill probably the same amount of coyotes as, as me going in there a level nine caller you know playing continual ten- sound the whole time i'm there
2: Yeah. And I think that's been one thing we've both seen, me and Kevin, because when I'll go up to Kevin's, a lot of times we'll just switch off callers or I'll call all night at his spots. And then when he hunts with me, he calls. And I think changing that up, you know, having a partner that does call differently than you, but is still successful at it, you go in there and let them control the calls going out on your properties that you've ran, you know, 90 mile an hour on for the last 10 times you've been there and they go in with a whole different idea and a whole different calling cadence and style, I think that, that kills
1: a lot of coyotes too. Absolutely. You know, and that's the reason why, that's the reason why um, I could probably buy a new pickup truck for, if I had a dollar for every time I heard guys tell me or read online of guys saying, I tell you what, I got this new Lucky Duck, and holy shit, I'm killing the coyotes now that I've never killed before. That caller is amazing. It's not the caller, it's mm-hmm. the freak. You change the sounds, you know? Yep. Um, you change something and made it different by calling call the same properties you normally call. Just like what you're saying, Kevin's calling your properties and vice versa. Um, a person just needs to apply a little common sense. It's a sound change, you know? And for someone who's in the sound business like me, that's perfect. You know, that's why I try to produce sounds that, a large amount of sounds so that you always got something different.
2: Yep. And sometimes that can just be a pitch change too. Mm -hmm. Kevin said he liked that about his Fox pro because you can adjust the pitch and make a older howl sound like a younger howl and vice versa. And that, that kills coyotes being, not doing the same thing over and over that that is the uh uh definition of insanity right right yeah, absolutely
1: <laughs> absolutely you know and kind of, you know coyotes are wary C- coyotes are not what i call smart i mean humans used to always think they were smart they thought coyotes you know i read a lot of old writings you know be it newspaper or what have you um you know human people used to think like say in the late late 1800s and that that coyotes would mimic their prey sound with their voice to attract their prey to kill them. You know, you know, that's a mystery that they had. If you call your dog, you know, he comes to you, you smack him upside the head. Next time you call, call him, he comes to you, and you smack him upside the head and he runs away. The next time you call him, hey, he's going to be a little more leery to the point that he ain't never going to come every time when you whistle for him, no matter what you do, right? Now you may call him by his name, and here he comes running, you know, because he associated that action to a negative reaction. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So that's how you train a dog too, is giving them a positive for what they, you know, for acting. Clicker. The way the you clicker. Want them
1: to. Yeah. You're not, know, yeah. You know, a lot of dog trainers use that clicker. Click, click. Yep. Click, click. yep. So the guys, so the guys that say, I don't know why you buy a collar can hold 500 sounds. All I need is four sounds. Well, I agree with you. All I need is four sounds in October. But when I go back and call those same properties in November, December, January, February, March, I need a whole lot more than those four sounds. Yeah. If I want to see consistent results.
2: Well, and I know when we, when Tony and I were there, uh, we hunted a September hunt with you and I think you went through and redid your call like the day we got there and you only had like 20 sounds on your whole call. Cause you're like, this is
1: all we're going to use anyways. Yeah. Yep. So- exactly. Right. And what, it, and what it did is allows me, it forces me to use, to not go back and, and use the sounds that I always use, you know, same with fishing. If I go fishing, you know, if I go back to Illinois at my parents' house, I'm going to I'm going to grab that split Rapala lure, because I've had luck since I was freaking 12 years old on that lure, you know, and I'll go to Walmart and I'll scan the shelf and find just that lure. But if you don't have that lure with you, you're forced to try something different, and you may have better results. You know? Yeah,
2: yeah that makes a lot of sense. And you you were very smart with producing your sounds, because you do yours, and I don't know of anybody else really that does, In an MP3 form format. So it doesn't matter what call you're using. If it could take MP3, it can take Tony Tabby sound
1: files. Uh yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I started doing sound files, um, I thought, well, I was a diehard hand caller. You know, I was a custom call builder for 25 years. I was proud as a hand caller. And I I was one of those guys that would laugh at guys that use e-caller and call themselves a predator hunter. Okay. Um, and I was proud. I, I was a proud, I was good at hand calling and I could call up a lot of coyotes, but I watched over the years, my call sales keep going down and everybody talking about their Fox pro and their, you know, the most Fox pro Pro dominated for years, dominated the the industry. And, um, I'm like, well, shit, if you can't beat them, you might as well join them. Well, I don't have the, I'm just a damn coyote hunter. I don't have the intelligence to start an electronic call company but i damn sure know how to make an animal squeal so i thought you know what i thought i'm going to produce sounds and i'm going to produce better than anybody else i'm going to have full length sounds from the time i catch a rabbit to the time he dies that may be a minute that may be 15 minutes that may be 18 minutes long who knows but i got tired of 20 second sound recordings that would loop over and about the fourth time it looped over, I'm falling asleep. Right. You know, there you go. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah.
1: And if I'm falling asleep, how do you expect a predator to get excited about it? You know, so I wanted, you know, I wanted that sound of just so like when I record, and you know, I'm just talking about prey right now. When I record like a, a rabbit, I'm sneaking out and I'm going to grab this jackrabbit. I've got the recorder already running and I edit out all the foot crunching and all that crap. Cause I want to capture that as soon as I grab him. you know, and bear in mind, your arms get totally slaughtered because of their back feet. Um, But I, you can never go back and get that sound again. That initial, <laughs> you know, that just blood curdling scream. And you want to talk about perk up a coyote, like make it, jump up to a tangent, it's that initial Wah! you can you can't fabricate that. Mm-hmm. Um so that's the kind of that's the kind of reasons I wanted to produce sounds. Yep. So
2: when do you use if ever challenge howls? When I want
1: to get in a fight. If I got a cow this if I got a back in the woods, challenge me, warning barking, whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to call it. That's just talking shit, and he ain't coming. I want to pick a fight with him and hopefully call him, or I'm going to call somebody else in, you know. So, you know, the kayaks back there just, I mean, he's basically saying, F you. Well, I'm just going to cut, you know, if it's some guy in the bar was doing that, I'd just throw it right back at him, you know. So it's no different than when I was turkey hunting, you know. Uh, I would just, once I got a response, I would just imitate them what they did. I would do and just try to get under their skin. So that's what I'll do. um, With my aggressive howling is I'm trying to pick a fight.
2: So you don't ever just randomly throw out a challenge.
1: Um, Sometimes I will right before my, you know, like I'm just cold calling. um, Don't know. I'm just on hopes and dreams that there's a coyote listening. Um, I'll I'll throw some challenge howls out there right before my uh, my coyote fight sounds, and sometimes even in the middle of them. Okay, yeah, you know, I got that. I got that sound called she pissed, yep. and I love that sound because I'll play Den Raid, and um, I've got it memorized where you know I know where the quieter parts are, and then I'll sit and pause and unpause and and throw that barking in there, you know. And one, it just sounds good. Two, it might be the straw that breaks the camel's back of a coyote saying hey there's another coyote that isn't fighting that's talking trash to this ones that are fighting i'll go join that one and talk trash too you okay. know so i had a question that was sent in
2: for matt todd matt you know him Kevin. Yep. he's a michigan guy he yes, uh, he's wondering about when he goes out to montana he says we'll call in the middle of the day and get vocals, but the ones that are vocals aren't the ones that show up to the call.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. Is I, there a I, reason I, for that? I said for a long time, if they're, if they're talking, they ain't coming. That's, you know, there's no exact science to that. The coyotes that I want, and I when I'm calling, I want those coyotes that come running right to the freaking caller. Hard charger. Because, again, that's what gets me excited. I don't even have a gun in my hand. So that's where I want my excitement is I want to totally fool a coyote that they want to knock the caller over. That's where, you know, as any predator caller, I think, you know, who's running the call, not just a shooter that tags along. That's what you're wanting to see. And um, most of the coyotes are howling, aren't the ones that you want if you're into that hard action, the coyotes you want are the ones that don't say a damn thing, you know, again analogies the guy who talks shit at a bar and real mouthy he ain't gonna fight you
0: he's not the one you have to worry about
1: (laughs) yep the guy who's gonna fight you who's just is the guy who's just gonna stand up walk over and punch you He ain't gonna say a damn word about it same with coyotes you know the ones i'm looking for aren't talking it sounds beautiful you know it's a good confidence builder but they're not the ones they're not the targets the targets are the ones that are just running right to you
2: See and man, I love Howling because I love that vocal reply.
1: Amen. Same here. Same here. I've I fell in love with coyotes and the concept and the sound of them since I was a little kid watching Western movies. You know, we didn't even have that many coyotes back in Illinois growing up, and but I was just fascinated with them Um, to the point that it like took over my whole life. (laughs) You know. And uh, I like listening to Kyle's how I get giddy. I get, I smile every time I hear Kyle's howl. Yep. Me too. I'm perfectly
2: happy listening to them. howl. I mean, it'll irritate me if that's all I get all night and they're howling, but none of them show up, but I love vocal replies. I just love listening to them. So when you do get a vocal reply, is there ever a time? Like, will you ever get a reply that you say, oh, these ones are dead? These ones are coming versus yeah. yeah, probably
1: not gonna happen. Yeah. Um during denning season, okay. I love coyote calling so much that I'll go out and my, I'll, I'll train my young decoy dogs and I don't even take a gun because I don't want to kill the coyotes. I just want to call them up. I want the dogs to interact with them. I don't necessarily want to kill them and then when it's all quiet down, I want to slip out as quiet as I went in and I'll go back two days later and do it again. And having a pair of coyotes or two pairs of coyotes that are only four miles from your house, that that's like gold when you're trying to train a young dog or test sounds or something like that. You know, I don't necessarily want to go kill them. I got plenty of other coyotes I could go kill. So during denning season, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll go out and we're howling and you may get a pair over here and a group over here and a single over here and then a pair over here and they're pissed off. Those are the ones, those are the ones you're going to kill. Denning season. So what I'll do, cut the distance down, hike in as close as you dare go, sit down and maybe let out a single howl, but usually I just play den right as soon as I sit down and you, and that, if you could find a pair of coyotes during denning season that sound pissed off that that you locate howl and they they're not responding with a happy-go-lucky yip howl you'll kill them with pup's stress because they're defending their den and i you know i pretty damn consistent doing that
2: so what about if you are walking into a stand and i i know it happened to us remember where all the horses were and we i shot that one that looked like it i shot a paint can yep what do you do if you walk in and knowingly bust out a coyote do you do some anything specific to try to get that one back
1: um a lot of it depends on how hard i busted him if if he busted at the sound of us but didn't necessarily see us i'll drop down be quiet let him get out of hearing range or sight range and then go ahead and slip up and do the stand you know and I've had, I've called them right back in because they don't know exactly what it was. Well, it could have been a deer, you know, it could have been a horse, a cow. Um, Also, if I go in, I mean, that happens a lot because our cover is sparse here. So I'll pick the biggest bush to sit up against. Subsequently, the biggest bush produces the, the most shade. And I'll be damned if there ain't a coyote laying under that sucker that jumps up as soon as you get to it. Yeah. You know, that'll happen. That'll happen seven or eight times every season. So that coyote, Holy shit. He knows you're there because you about stepped on him and uh, I'll still call that stand. I mean, just because that coyote took off, there's plenty of other coyotes in hearing range. I used to always say, I'm not worried about, and I'm, I'm quiet. I'm I'm a quiet Walker and I cross fences quiet and you know, I'm, I'm not listening to an MP3 player on my way to my stand or anything like that. Um, but I'm not worried about the coyotes that are within a few hundred yards of me. Um, Those aren't the coyotes I'm calling. I'm calling those coyotes that are out there a quarter mile. Or more. Because the other ones, they done heard you walk in or seen you. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah. yeah. Well, man, that's
2: a lot of information for everybody to listen to take in in one podcast.
0: Well, so I got a well, question. Hopefully it helps
1: with a boring drive or something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I got a question for you, Tony. Yes, since, sir. You, since you have had coyotes living with you, the ones that you have, Cantley and the other one, um, Dakota. Yeah. What would you say stands out to the most to you that you've learned about them since you've had them living there with you?
1: How vocal they are. How vocal they are. I used to think when I would go locating coyotes, and nobody's responding. Well shit, they probably like blew their load like two hours ago or or maybe <laughs> at seven o'clock. And they and they can't howl. Matter of fact, I think I even read something, you know, growing up that said that they they physically cannot howl if they've already howled that day. My coyotes will howl minimum of 50 times a day. I come, I start my truck up, they howl. They hear my truck coming home, they howl. The school bus comes down the road, they howl. When the school bus hits its brakes, they howl. The UBS truck pulls up. My donkey brays. My dog barks. I mean, they're they're worse than turkeys, really. Now, when you're in the sound recording business, that's awesome, right? They howl a lot, but it's the other stuff, the the social sounds, you know, the the little chipping and yeah, and uh, the nipping and the whining and the chirping and all that, and and both do it. You know, not just a female, um, and not just a certain time of year, they have all they do it all the time. They are so vocal to each other, and one can only assume that that happens in the wild, too. It's just
0: you're not there to hear it
1: exactly, exactly. Just like deer, you know, Man, I've never once heard a doe make that sound, right. everybody uses it though, or yep. a buck grunt, I've only witnessed that like three times ever, you know. Um, but it probably happens. You just, you don't live in the woods with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. The only time I've ever
2: heard a doe make a noise like that is nighttime calling using fawn distress. And it comes running in to like save that fawn. I'll hear them. Matt, 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 Matt running back and forth, but that's the only time I ever hear it.
1: Yeah. You know, now that being said, I've recorded a lot of these coyote social, Sounds, I didn't call anything in with them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they they could probably be used in a very specific, like a coaxer. Like I did a group howl, and then all of a sudden I went quiet, and and a pair of coyotes showed up, and you kind of want them to, you know, kind of like a like a use it like a lip squeak. You know, just a little bit of this uh whine or something like that to let them target you and and, and to come on in. But you know. There's a lot of sounds I never release. You know, I do a lot of this uh, chatter. Uh, Little bitty pups, when they first start to howl, I call them a milk howl. They're cute as hell. You know, they're little bitty coyote puppies. Didn't mean shit. No, (laughs) they didn't call a single coyote in with them. I never released them because what's the point? It's just going to take up space on your collar. Lone howls, challenge howls, group howls, be it two or more that's yipping and howling and then fights and puppy a puppy that's hurt those are those are what work when it comes to vocals there's a whole lot more other sounds and like i was the same i was a fool that was out there in nebraska freezing my ass off using the brand new estrus chirp that randy anderson talked about doing it on my hand call what a waste of freaking time i sound like damn i don't know prairie chicken
0: (laughs) you know (laughs) i got questions on a couple of your sounds specifically first one is molasses male Mm -hmm. did you record that off a wild
1: coyote that's a that's a wild coyote that i slowed the pitch down on
0: okay because i've had last year i had really good success on getting them to talk back to that really good
1: yeah i used to some of my older sounds um had a pretty good variety um, I used to go out and do a lot of recording. Um, I just tell my wife it's a calm night and I'm like, Hey baby, I'm going to go recording. You know, I may leave at 10 o'clock at night and I may be back by 1030 because the wind started, or I may not get back until sunrise. And it's worse than calling because you driving out, you're just driving out in the country. You know, a lot of times i go to the dairy and do it and it's gotta be on a calm night and you're setting up your recording equipment on the hood of your truck. And then you're howling hoping to get a response of a coyotes that are halfway close and then you can pick it up and record them, you know? Oh my God, I wasted so much time and gas on nights that they weren't vocal, <laughs> you know, or, or the wind started up or, you know, or a distant highway or some bull crap, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a coyote that was over at the dairy here between here and Hobbs and uh, I was a, sitting at an oil location and he wasn't all that far away. And he was a, and I had, rec- I had recorded him in the past, too. He was a pretty vocal coyote. But I purposely slowed him down because what I needed in my arsenal was I wanted a deep, oh, you know, mm-hmm. I needed that. And his voice, natural voice, was not all that different than any other stuff I already had.
0: Mm. And next one would be Bitch Den Callback.
1: Oh, uh, Bitch Den Callback. That's the whole whimper right
0: (laughs) yeah so is that the pups or is that supposed to be the sound that the bitch is making
1: that's the sound a bitch makes when um
0: she's calling her pups back to the den exactly okay exactly
1: yeah that sound like when the pups are are nursing she makes that sound
0: okay because i I had a really fun stand with that one i think i sent you the pictures of it um i wish i could have got video of the whole exactly what happened on that one but because it was pretty wild but um i I use that a lot during you know early summer late spring and i've had some pretty good luck with it
1: good good Um, you know you know what that sound is i've seen it on a national geographic thing um of some wolves i'm like huh okay i i got a dog that's got some puppies So I went out and recorded her making that sound. That's That's cool. And then I took it out and it worked. I'm like, okay, that I felt pretty damn confident. That's what Kyle's do too.
0: One more question I have for you. And this one's completely unrelated to anything else we've talked about tonight, but do you have one story in particular with one of your clients that stands out as being like really funny, something that happened? Funny? Yeah. Just something oh, you remember, like I can't believe that happened.
1: Well wow, man, oh, I've got lots of stories.
0: <laughs> Is there one in particular that stands out? I don't want to hear about Josh and Tony behind the sagebrush, though.
2: <laughs> you couldn't hide behind that shit if you wanted to. <laughs> There's lots of shade down here, boys. Here's a
1: twig. <laughs> it's hard to pick one. It's hard to pick one because I got the opportunity to hunt with lots of different guys, you know, lots of different people. And most predator hunters are all cut out of the same cloth, you know. They're all pretty same. And you get, you know, a lot of my clients are older, um, just because they value, you know, a good hunt, you know, or they can afford it. You know, why do a lot of older people have Corvettes? Because they can afford them. I had a pair of guys from Maryland here on a the hunt. They both, both shoot an ARs suppressed. We went calling one morning. The afternoon before, cotton tail candy was on fire. Man, I couldn't do anything wrong. They were coming in like fire. Next morning, woke up. Beautiful morning. Beautiful. Dew on the ground, dead calm, little, little slight breeze from left to right. Went to a spot that I hadn't called yet that year. Really, really good spot. And uh, start out with cottontail candy. Nothing. What the hell? Let it play all the way through. Twice. something wrong. All right, let's try cottontail crazy. went through through that, two series of that. Okay, there's something definitely wrong. Well, let's see if there's any coyotes here. I played Teen Spirit. Three young coyotes yipping and howling. Holy shit, they lit up. I So I filmed this, and I posted on Facebook. I filmed it on my freaking cell phone. They lit up, and they were only like 300 yards away. And they were from 10 o'clock, you know, on the stand from 10 o'clock to 3 o'clock wide coyotes yipping and howling right in front of us. So while it was playing, I started seeing coyotes coming out of the freaking brush. I went ahead and played and I can't remember one of my pissing pup. Yeah. So pissing pup was playing on one channel while the, while teen spirit yipping and coyotes yipping and howling, because that's what they really fired up on. And we called it 16 coyotes all at the same time for multiple directions. (laughs) Filmed it all on my freaking cell phone. I wish I would have had the good camera then on me. And they ended up killing six out of 16. I mean, it was one hell of a fun stand. And I thought, how, you know, so we high five, you know, and recovering coyotes. And I mean, that was badass. I mean, we could have blanks the rest of the day. I didn't give two shits less, you know. But how are you going to beat this, you know? So we went calling. it was the only stand that morning that we called anything in on blank 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 well it's about noon let's head into town and eat some lunch and we're driving and he's he's like hey Tony there's a coyote right there I'm like where right there by that cattle guard oh shoot and I just kept driving he's like we're we gonna turn around I'm like yeah well, I'm gonna go down the road get your guns ready Da, 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 da. In New Mexico, you can shoot out the window at, at coyotes as long as you're not on a highway. So I turn around, drove back, drove right to that cattle guard, and I'm like, "Where's this coyote at?" Because I never physically seen it. And he's like, "I don't know. It was right here. I swear to God, it was right here." It comes out from under the cattle guard because <laughs> it was trying to get rabbit that was in a pipe, and it was a freaking albino coyote, snow white. Wow. And I'm like, "Holy shit! You got to kill this thing." Boom! He shoots and hits a pipe. And that pipe still got the bullet dent in it, you know, <laughs> and it takes off running and he shot it on the second shot and killed it. And they, they didn't quite grasp the concept of how rare once in a lifetime kind of deal it is. He subsequently has, it as a full body mountain. But it's like, you, you two are the luckiest son of bitches I've ever met. You know, <laughs> I never called 16 coyotes in my life on a stand. 11 was the max and they beat that record. And then they killed a freaking albino coyote. So that was, th- that was a memorable morning. Very cool. That was a lot yeah.
2: different coming from Michigan, going to New Mexico. We get there. Well, why you got a gun case? Uh, Cause that's, that's, that's how I transport it. Why is your gun unloaded? Cause we're going for <laughs> right
1: in the
0: truck.
2: Yeah. Load Man, it up and a-
1: put it on your lap. What? <laughs> it's the wild, it's the wild, wild west here, brother.
2: Well, and then a- we had that one that you cut off that mangy one and you're like, who's going to shoot it? Oh, where are we going, calling? Oh, no, I'm just turning the truck sideways, shutting it off, and you're going to shoot it. What? <laughs> you can't do that here. You're going to jail.
0: Yeah, that's a culture shock thing. We ran into that down in Louisiana, hog hunting, same thing. We're going to put our case guns in the back of Shane's truck, and he's like, what y'all doing? He's like, putting our guns in the truck. He said, like, just put them in your lap. Then we probably <laughs> go shoot over by like a state that. trooper, and we're like, oh, crap. I hope he wasn't bullshitting us. <laughs> yeah. State trooper comes up, says, oh, what you all doing? They're going, to oh, i Oh, okay, well, you got a tail light out. You guys have a good night. We're like, holy <laughs> crap, thank goodness. <laughs> You're <laughs> pissing your pants.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't um, do that here. No. Another night, another night, I had a couple from Utah, and him a uh, guy and his wife, and he wanted his money's worth, by golly. He was hardcore coyote hunter. He wanted to hunt all day, all night. You know, I was younger back then and I was cocky and I'm like, I'll hunt as hard as you want. Okay. We hunted all day. We hunted that night. Coyote. We're at a dairy coyote walks across the road. He jumps out to try to shoot it. Gets back in. You know, it was freaking cold. I remember that it was cold and windy. It's like 20 degrees out and windy. He gets back in and I said, did you put your gun back on safe? And he's one of these dudes that ride. I don't know why. Uh, he would ride with gun barrel pointing straight up versus down. And he goes, he goes, I'm pretty sure. Boom. And it goes off. (laughs) His wife is sitting behind me in the backseat screams her head off. I'm like, Oh my God. And then he cusses. He's like, mother, you know, and I felt such a relief because I just knew his freaking head was going to be gone. You know? He's like, Oh my God, I am so sorry. I'm done. I'm done. And I said, Oh, <laughs> I guarantee you're done. You yeah. know, <laughs> I said, this is what happens when you push yourself into sleep deprivation, stupid shit happens. Mm-hmm. You don't think straight. I can't think straight and I'm just trying to drive, you know, but firearms and sleep rep- deprivation is just an accident bound to happen.
2: Yep. Yep.
1: I'm trying to think of what else I got lots of stories. What um I, what what
2: is your favorite hunt, whether by yourself or guided? I mean, what what's the most memorable and why? It could be when you hunted with me and we didn't see anything, but we still were sitting side by side, and that was your dream.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I went and got a tattoo to commemorate that. <laughs> Good, it'll match mine then. <laughs> when I was sixteen, I got my driver's license. And I went and tried to pick up every piece of property I could in, you know, in our, our in our hometown. And I was calling at this place, you know, and, and I'd only been calling for two years. I started calling when I was 14, and I can only car call, call as far as my two feet take me, you know. And then I got my driver's license. Oh shit, it's all over now. So I was, I was at this small farm that had sheep and I was behind their place. Along the creek line, and I was hand calling, a little close read call, and it was right at sunset, and the coyotes started howling up the creek line. And I thought, "Oh, I know where they're at." And I had that property too, so I stopped my stand, take note on this, Josh. Stop my stand immediately. Headed back to the truck, hauled ass down there. Um, on in the bend of the road, they had a bunch of piles of manure stacked because it was a creek bottom field but they up on the hill they had all the manure so I hid my truck right there and I slipped up over all these piles of manure and I was going to call this creek bottom field so I hurry up and plop down and sun's setting and I start calling raw, 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 and here they come there were six coyotes and they were, there were majority of them three of them were down straight below me on, uh, by the manure piles that I was sitting in and then three others, two to my right and one to my left. Now, bear in mind, this was thir- 35 years ago. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, they were up on the same manure pile with me. And I thought, I'm 16-year-old kid. And I thought I was going to get eaten to death. You know, <laughs> I'm scared to death. And uh, I was shooting a, a single, uh, not a single shot, a bolt action 243. So I boom, I shoot that one coyote that was down below and all of them, the other five take off running straight away across this, this uh, field to hit to the Creek line. And uh, so I just started shooting. And with that bolt action gun, I got a triple. And I went from being scared to death to feeling like freaking (laughs) coyote. God, (laughs) 16 years old. And I was hooked ever since and That's nothing cool. no other no other species of animals has ever gave me a heart on like that.
2: What, what age were you when you just start when you decided to make this your lifestyle? I mean, this is what you do. 40. 40.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a midlife crisis thing. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, I I built my name up because I was a hand call builder. And um I was uh, in Oklahoma speaking at the Oklahoma Predator Hunters Association. I'm a lifetime member of it. Um, they had their very first meeting and I went to it and I was the guest speaker. And I was speaking and all that. And <clears throat> we were putting names in the hat after I was done speaking, putting names in the hat to who would get to go hunting with me in the morning, you know, which was great because I was in Poteau, Oklahoma and, I didn't know the land there, you know. So a uh, local person I get to go hunting with who has the land. There was quite a bit of public land there, but I didn't I've never been there in my life. So um so we did a QA session as part of speaking. And one somebody said, you know, I, there's probably a couple hundred people in this room. Somebody said, when are you going to um, start guiding predator? soon it never really crossed my mind who would pay to hunt with me and every hand raised in that room I'm like oh <laughs> I may be able to make a business out of this that stuck in my that stuck in my mind a few years later um, my buddy Scott and I we hit some public land there in Iowa that we only hit after all the other hunting seasons was over because everybody and their brothers tromping it and it was a backwater that would freeze, and the coyotes would get in there because they could finally get to the cattails where the mice and all that were. So the coyote number of population would pick up there. And I had across this creek, which was a little tributary that led into the Cedar River, and I fell through the ice.
0: I've done um, that a couple times.
1: Yeah, it was a scary damn deal. It was five degrees out. I fell through, and only to my waist. And I caught myself. Okay, well, holy shit! Now I'm in the middle of this creek. I'm going to keep going that way. I take two more steps, boom, all the way in, I went and uh, I swallowed that water. I had those, you know, those reversible camo bibs, those big thick ones, <clears throat> my big boots and that, and I thought I was going to die. And uh, so I'm, <clears throat> the water had receded. So the ice was like a foot above the water. So I couldn't reach it, but so Anyway, push comes to shove. I make my way, punching through that ice, bloodying up my knuckles and that, through my gloves, to get to the other bank so I could grab tree roots and get out of this thing. So now all of a sudden, um, I'm going to die of hypothermia. So I'm dancing in circles. Push comes to shove. My buddy Scott went up the creek line, found where a tree crossed, had me go down there, and we crossed, and I stripped down, wringed the water out of my underwear and drove home with the heat cranks was owned by 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> but anyway, got a really nasty, bad cold out of it. That happened on a Saturday morning. On Monday, I was sitting in my office. I was the head of computer programming department, and database administration for a big-ass company. And uh, I was on an all-day conference call. And anybody who's in management who started in the lower ranks could probably relate where I was a really good computer programmer. But I also could talk to people most computer programmers can't so they would move me up into management and move move me further and further in management and further and further away from what i love doing which was programming so i wasn't really happy with my job but i didn't feel like i was i was earning my weight you know i was getting paid a bunch of money but i didn't feel like i was contributing anything so we're all day conference calling all that you know i thought you know what i think i'm done with this road i want to do something different you know And my parents and I, you know, I started putting plans together for about eight months, you know, and I announced to my parents, they thought I was fucking crazy. You know, I was giving up a six figure income. I'm just going to quit. No retirement, no nothing and become a predator hunting guide on nothing but faith, hope and dreams. And, uh, I did. It was either that or jump off a building. One or the other.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And we, here we are now and you've been doing this now for quite a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I moved and when I moved to New Mexico, I chose here from anywhere in the country because of the coyote population. And um, on the internet, there were so many guys are like, Oh my God, he's going to fail. He's going to, I give him a year. He'll be working in the oil field like everybody else, blah, blah, you know, to me, failure wasn't an option. I sold our house in Iowa. I paid off all the, ridiculous credit card debt we had accumulated and automobile debt. I moved down here debt-free. I moved down here with $2,000 in my pocket. That's all I had to my name. And my rent was 900 a month. Failure wasn't an option. Subsequently, was booked solid that season and been booked solid every season ever since. And that was like 17 years ago.
0: Very cool.
2: So... We've taken up, I think, enough of your time tonight. We're going on <laughs> two hours. <laughs> Holy moly! This is a good conversation, and we we really appreciate you taking the time out of your night to do no, this no with us. I um, didn't even get you to ask my questions. Go go for it. I'm going to pick on Kevin first. All right, that sounds good. I'll mute and take a-
0: <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> yes, sir.
1: When are you going to come hunt with me?
0: As soon as I can. How's that for an answer? Um, <laughs> I would things. like
1: the opportunity. I'm not going to live forever. I would like the opportunity to hunt with you.
0: Okay. Well, um, we got some family health issues going on here right now that's kept me from doing a lot of stuff. If I can get those ringed out, we'll make a plan.
1: Okay, that sounds fair. And Josh, <laughs> when are we hunt, when are we hunting together again? Uh, I mean, your brother's cool, but he ain't you.
2: He, he's not cool. I don't even like him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: this year money was the issue for me so i understand
1: i, told we'll,
2: uh, I know tony's talking about coming down again to, to hunt with you we definitely need to make it a two-time drive instead of trying to go one time through because that sucked um but yeah i mean what we should do is me kevin and tony
1: yeah that would be fun
2: we could set kevin on the upwind side looking over the hills the other direction and then we'll watch tony miss them as they come in as he doesn't want <laughs> to shoot anymore but no i i i want to get back down there um but we're not going to do a september hunt again
1: no too damn hot i'm not booking any september hunts this year
2: well you know what i did notice uh seems to be a trend when any of the mapes show up the calling gets slow for a week and then like the day after we go home <laughs> oh, we killed 14 like today
1: <laughs> that happens that happens with everybody that comes here. They're like, they get back and they're like, what the hell, man? As soon as I get back on Facebook your next client has a good look, I'm like, I can't predict that stuff. Yeah. And if I could, I don't know if I would want to, you know? Yeah. You know, we, we talked about that before, you know, if you had an application on your phone that you could kind of see and predict coyote movement, you know, I don't know if I would want it. It would take the fun out. I don't mm-hmm. keep records of everywhere I call and everything anymore because it took the fun out of it. Um, I would hate to have a client come in who just spent, you know, a couple thousand dollars. And they're like, Hey, I'm so excited to be here. I've been wanting to come here a long time. How do you think we're going to do? Oh, your hunt's going to suck. They're not going to turn up so next Thursday. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that knowledge. I, right. it would take the fun out of hunting. So what does yeah, we can.
2: with Tony Tebby, cost?
1: Um, my hunts, I have never changed my prices since the day I started. I kept them simple. They're $500 a day, two day minimum. I don't guide locals.
2: And that's per gun. Okay.
1: There's a lot of times I have to hunt. I have to hunt with people. I don't want to hunt with. (laughs) I have control who I can hunt with, you know, and I've gotten to the point now I only book people that I I want to hunt with. Yeah. So um, we will get, we will get you on the schedule and there's, and it, and it can be a pleasure hunt. I've got I've got properties. I've got a I've got a ranch five hours from here that I never go to. We go turkey hunting on it. Um, but uh, I have full access to coyote hunt it. Covered up with coyotes. It's five hours from here. It's two million acres of private land. Crap. It wow. it used to be the fourth largest, um, ranch in the country, and then it got moved down to the seventh largest. So they're looking at buying additional ranches because they want to get their standings backed up. <laughs> you know, it's owned by it's owned by a investment group out of California, but it's got its own, you know, most ranches will have a ranch manager. This company has a ranch vice president that who has ranch managers who work under him kind of a deal. It's a big big deal. And it is, I go turkey hunting there and there's a ton of times we're calling turkeys. I'm sitting there with the diaphragm i look over and there's a coyote sitting three foot from us just sitting there looking at me you know hmm. i would love to go i haven't had a reason to i would love to go calling there for a weekend you're love talking, to it's five talking. hours away yeah you're talking that would be a fun hunt. that would be a fun hunt that's like hey you know what guys let's just go let's just go camp out and go hunting you know yeah that'd be a
0: blast
1: yeah we'll make it happen all right that sounds good also if I ever get to that point in my life that I decide to write a book and then go and do uh, like a uh, predator calling seminar, Michigan is a definitely a targeted state since I get a large amount of business out of Michigan and Ohio. Yep, you guys would could help me out in that situation. Oh, Absolutely,
0: yeah.
1: as far as like coordinating, we know people. Cool, couple. I don't know if I'll ever sit down and write a book or not, but I might, you know, but but I can see getting to a point in my life where when my knees are starting to give out and all that kind of stuff to maybe do seminars, you know, and not like, hey, uh, I would do it different. You know, I want to go speak at some trade show. I'm talking about self-contained, Yep. Dedicated kind of, yeah. venue. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So for everybody that's listening and doesn't know, where can they go to find more information on signature sounds, your hunts, everything?
1: University.com. And yes. the reason it's called Predator University, I started this guiding business to, to not just kill a bunch of coyotes, but to educate. So we do a lot of educational hunts. Um, I've got a huge... Amount of success stories of guys coming here, been calling coyotes for six years, only called in six and killed two, to going back and killing nine or 10 coyotes that same season once they've been here. Yep. Um, so it's called Predator Prairie University, PredatorUniversity.com, Um, I've got a ton of sound files. I don't know how many, like if I had to guess, 475, something like that. Um, Lots of them. If you haven't heard of Tony Tabby, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Tony, we appreciate your time. Like I said, we're we're over two hours now, so we've taken enough of your time tonight. I thank you so much for taking the time to do this
1: with us. Thank you. You're very welcome, guys. And I, I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. You know, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a, a an introvert and a hermit and and getting a chance to talk with you guys, I, I value it highly. So do we. Thank you. Cool
0: all,
2: all right. right everybody take care thank you all for listening We'll see you next week
1: All right guys Have a good night.